You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Gansard. We've got a fantastic show today with a few wonderful guests here to talk about what else? Animals. Up first are David and Kelly Backus. David is a star hockey player for the St. Louis Blues in the National Hockey League and was a member of the U.S. Olympic hockey team that traveled to Sochi just a few short months ago. I'm sure you all remember the dogs of Sochi. Well, David actually helped to bring back a few dogs back home with him to St. Louis. And we'll talk to David and his wife, Kelly, about their passion for rescuing animals all over the world. Following that inspirational couple is Dr. Quan Stewart, the Chief Veterinary Officer for American Humane Association's No Animals Were Harmed program, which really protects Hollywood's animal stars. Dr. Stewart will drop in to talk about some of the biggest summer blockbusters this year and how his team of highly trained, certified animal safety representatives help keep those stars protected working in film and entertainment. Sure is hot out there, isn't it? I'm recording the show today in our Washington, D.C. headquarters, and temperatures are soaring well above 90 degrees all week long and showing no signs of abating. Some are calling for the heat index to hit triple digits. I'm sure all of you are aware of the perils of too much sun and heat for our furry friends, but it never hurts to have a reminder. Let's all remember that leaving a dog or a cat in a car on a hot day can be fatal. If it's 85 degrees outside, temperatures on the dashboard of a car can soar north of 170 degrees in a little as 15 minutes. Even if the windows cracked open, you would never think ever of leaving your precious child in the car like that while you run in to do a quick errand. But please also remember your four-legged family members. Our four-legged friends are just as susceptible to heat stroke. If you see a dog or a cat left in a parked car on a hot day, in many places, thankfully, this is illegal. So calling the police could be the best course of action so the owners know that this should never, ever be tolerated. Many dogs love playing outside, but they need to be supervised. On a hot day, it's ill-advised to leave them out for extended periods of time. So be sure they have plenty of water before, during, and after playing or exercising. And remember that dogs with darker coats can overheat more quickly. So keep that in mind. If you have a black lab, he or she is even more sensitive to the heat. You know, a, a dog's snout is one of its most defining characteristics. Many breeds, such as the beloved English and French bulldogs, boxers, pugs, are adored for those beautiful pushed-in snouts. But warmer days can really make breathing more difficult for them. So when the mercury is reporting temperatures in excess of 90 degrees, it's best to leave those little guys inside, except for brief trips outside for you-know-what. Have you ever touched hot asphalt on a summer day with your hands or your bare feet? It scorches, doesn't it? And we have to remember that dogs only have soft pads on the bottom of their feet, so walking on the street can cause discomfort or even worse, burns. It's best to stick to grassy areas, if at all possible, when walking our beloved four-legged friends on those hot summer days. And even in a cool, air-conditioned house, we need to monitor our pets for overheating. Be sure that their balls are frequently full and they're drinking out of them. 
And did you know that many cats don't drink enough water? Try adding a little bit of water mixed in with their moist food, and that's going to be quite helpful for our beloved feline friends. And of course, pets love cold treats. It's okay to give to them. Just don't overdo it. Even though they may look small to small dogs and cats, they can be the equivalent of a human eating a cheeseburger or two. But ice cubes are always okay. Pets love chewing and licking them, and adding a few to their water dish is a great way to help those wonderful four-legged friends cool off. And let's remember, just as heat stroke can be deadly for us humans, it can also be lethal for our animal friends. Signs of heat stroke include excessive panting, dark or bright red tongue or gums, stumbling, seizures, vomiting, and even coma. If you suspect heat stroke, seek professional care immediately. Go to your local animal doctor, your local veterinarian immediately. You can provide some immediate treatment as well using cool but not icy water to lower your pet's temperature. Wetting them with a hose or a sponge will also help. If your pet has showed signs of heat stroke and it's cooled down and now appears fine, don't assume all is well. You must go to your local veterinarian to make sure the internal organs are okay and make sure that pet is assessed for potential health complications and to make sure that other risks haven't been overlooked. We all love summer and we want us all to have a fun summer with our pets. Just remember to keep cool and keep them cool. We'll be right back and we'll be definitely keeping cool in our next segment by talking to star ice hockey player David Backus and his wife Kelly. You're tuned in to Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's dinner time in America where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert-recommended foods than any place else. And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands, like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All right, we're back. It's Dr. Robin Gansard on Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. Though it's really hot outside, especially here in Washington, D.C., my next guest spends a lot of his time on the ice. He's the captain of the NHL St. Louis Blues and was a member of the U.S. Olympic hockey team, which took fourth place this year at the Sochi Games. He was also a member of the silver medal winning team at the 2010 Vancouver Games. Along with his wife, they are passionate and inspirational animal advocates, and they work all around the world to help rescue animals and promote animal welfare. 
Together, they are the founders of a terrific organization called Athletes for Animals, which counts several star athletes among its athletic ambassadors. I'm pleased now to be joined by David and Kelly Backus. Welcome. How are you both today? We are fantastic. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us on. We're thrilled to be here. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. And I understand you were just on a trip up at the Boundary Waters. How was that? It was a great time. We got to disconnect from, there's no cell phone service up there and spend some time in the boat and with each other and with another one of our friends that are a couple. And we uh, you know, were just able to disconnect and really take some stress of the everyday hustle and bustle and, and relieve that. It's back to work now, but uh, it was a good time to just clear your mind. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And we all need those breaks, particularly uh, during the summer months, that's for sure. You know, I think one of our things that our listeners are going to be very interested in off the bat is really your time in Sochi and how you made friends with a few very special dogs who needed forever loving homes. It was such a big story here throughout the games. But tell us what it was like to be there with the stray dogs of Sochi. I think when David and I had first kind of known that we'd be taking the venture overseas. We had read a few newspaper articles and I thought, wow, like this is something that we're really going to struggle with. What can we do to try and make a difference or make an impact and bring awareness to this? Obviously, there's already this international media attention, but we really wanted to do something. But when we first landed in Sochi, it was just crazy to see the amount of animals all over the streets from just leaving the airport on our bus to the hotels. They were everywhere. And once we really interacted firsthand with these dogs, it wasn't what the media had portrayed them as, as these, you know, rabid, awful, vicious animals. These were just dogs, just homeless pets that were looking to be loved and be fed. And we bonded with several of them. And I think outside of the Olympic Village where David was staying and where the NHLPA families were staying as well, there was just dogs everywhere. So it wasn't like you had to go out and search them. They kind of found you and these bonds immediately happened and, you know, the caring that you want to give to a homeless pet. So when we took these two pups in, it was kind of, now what? What do we do? How do we get them back to the United States? And ultimately, we knew by saving these two that it wouldn't really fix the problem, but we hoped to just bring awareness to the cause everywhere. Wow. Can you tell us, how did you actually bring those dogs home? I know you brought home two. And so what was the process like to, uh, to get them on the plane with you and to bring them out of the country? Well, for animals that were said to be being exterminated by uh, some entities. All of a sudden, there became a lot of red tape to get them home. But as you know, animal people are very passionate and very driven. And it was actually a lot of work by Kelly and a few other wives from other NHL players that bonded together and put their time and energy and efforts together and had to go see local vets, had to go to the airport a couple of times to get paperwork filled out, talk with the U.S. government and the CDC for, you know, arrangements when they got back to the States and being quarantined and, you know, then talking to the airlines and finding out if the animals could come on the planes and seeing, you know, weighing the humaneness of potentially shipping a dog, a different method away from being carried on top of the plane with us, which we finally were able to figure out, you know, those two dogs we rescued sat in the front of the top deck of a 747 with us and were able to be very comfortable on their way home. But if it wasn't those accommodations, were we willing to 
put them in cargo for a transatlantic flight, which you never know what's going to happen, and is that risk worth it? So we had a lot of things to weigh. In the end, we were able to overcome all the obstacles and break open a few doors to make their lives change, and that's why we think their story is so profound and able to really give people insight on there's a definitely a need for animal rescue and to control the pet population locally, but internationally, it's it's a huge problem. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, American Humane founded the first animal rescue group in this country. It was founded in 1916, our Red Star program, and we were asked to go overseas to rescue the cavalry horses on the battlefields. And so almost 100 years, we've been providing rescue efforts around the globe and certainly uh, in our own country. And we've seen a lot of uh, extreme cases and uh, a lot of uh, decisions have to be made and a lot of process to be followed. But my goodness, you did this at the same time you're competing in the Olympics. So I'm just uh, amazed. And it's such an inspirational story of your commitment to get these dogs home. What were the dogs named? I'm sure you had some great names for these dogs? Well, being that we are in Sochi, I don't know where all the J's came from, but Sochi Jr. is the little pup that went to the family of Kevin Shattenkirk. And then Mm -hmm. Sochi Jake, he actually went to the family with Derek and Stephanie Stepan, and they were in the finals of the Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers. And they summer in Minnesota, which is great, where Stephen and I spend our summers as well. So we're hoping to have a play date coming up very soon here. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Two J's. I think that's wonderful. You know, you both have been so passionate about rescuing animals here in the U.S. for a long time, too. And I know you founded an organization called Athletes for Animals. Can you share with us a little bit about this fine organization? Yeah, that organization spawned out of Kelly and I started with just walking dogs while we were in college in in Mankato at the local Humane Society. And that grew to cleaning kennels and taking care of uh, some foster animals, playing with the cats Mm -hmm. at the shelter that we were at. And that was near in St. Louis when I started playing professionally. And after that, we started to get onto the board of directors with uh, Five Acres Animal Shelter in St. Charles. And one day we looked at each other during a walkout and said, You know, we're helping one dog at a time, and it's great, and we've been able to make great strides with this organization. But what we have is unique to a lot of other people is a voice and a platform. And what I also have is a lot of connections to other guys that have voices and platforms, and we want to leverage those for the animals as much as we can. So out of that spawn Athletes for Animals, and now we try to get athletes across all sporting platforms across the nation to lend a hand, a voice, uh, their platform to their local animal rescue organization, promoting responsible pet ownership, spay and neuter, all sorts of things that make the lives of pets better. And we've had a great response in our infancy, and it's, it's been phenomenal. Oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. And I know so many athletes do have a special heart for for animals and have often have been raised with animals. You know, now we have, I think, uh, 75% of Americans are raised with animals in their lives and it just makes such a difference. And uh, it's great they can carry on and serve as a voice for the voiceless in their special platforms as an athlete at the, the national, international level. It's wonderful and so commendable. And I know, David, you also have a pilot's license and you've used that license to help relocate animals around the country. Can you share with us some stories about some of your relocation efforts via planes? Yeah, we've flying's always been something I've been interested in. Got my license about three and a half years ago and 
to use it in a practical manner, we could combine two of our loves in life and our hobbies of rescuing animals and me flying. And we've been all over Kentucky and Iowa, Wisconsin. We've been to Arkansas, you know, relocating animals from some rural areas where they're not getting a lot of foot traffic and seeing a lot and potentially would be euthanized to the more populated areas in St. Louis where we've found a lot of great connections with shelters that are willing to expose these animals and get them forever homes. And it's pretty rewarding and saves a lot of time on the road when you can fly in a, in a straight line. And, you know, I love doing it. And it's something that we've been obviously passionate about for a while. That's wonderful. Well, I know we, we've talked a lot about your wonderful hands-on work at a number of fine organizations. Kelly, tell us about your animals that you have at your home right now. David and I currently have four rescued dogs and two rescued cats, all from different walks of life. The two cats we had rescued probably 10 plus years ago now, right when we got out of college from rescue groups here in Minnesota. And our four dogs are from various shelters across St. Louis. One has a history of being a puppy mill rescue where she spent eight years for life there. And, um, you know, from a dog that was at a high kill shelter, you know, a street dog. So (laughs) you name it, we've kind of done that. And then on top of that, we do a lot of a lot of fostering as well. Oh, that's wonderful. So your home is full of a lot of wonderful feline and furry friends from the canine variety. I think that's just outstanding. And so glad that you also foster. You know, so many of our our folks don't have the ability to foster. And we talk to a lot of people who are foster failures. Have you ever been a foster failure where you just decided you're going to keep that dog (laughs) or that cat? That's exactly how those, yeah, that's how those four dogs um, ended up here with us. Our little BB, our puppy mill rescue, when the shelter had rescued her from the puppy mill, I was actually there firsthand when the puppy mill was state mandated to close down. And she was brought into the shelter and um, they had found out that she had just been bred. So she was expecting a litter. And we had done many other litters of puppies and I had tube fed them and, you know, done around the clock care for them. We had rescued a boxer up the street that had 12 puppies emergency C-section. This little BB, she came to us and she had a litter of six and only three survived, unfortunately. And after the puppies found their forever home. We had spent a whole year trying to find her a home, but a lot of people just look at her as a little old beagle, and we thought, well, she's going to stay here with us. So (laughs) she's a foster failure, and here we are. She's 12 years old now and doing great still. I love that. That's a great story. And, uh, you know, we all uh, have our foster failure experiences, but I think those are some of the best stories ever when we just can't (laughs) give those little guys or gals up. I think that's wonderful. Well, I know, David, you've got a short off-season before you begin work on another season with your team. What do you guys have in store for the rest of the summer? I understand you might be going to Africa, maybe exploring some animals on that continent. Tell us a little bit about that journey coming up. We're headed to Africa on a uh, little bit of a mission trip with Starkey Hearing Foundation, where we'll fit some of the poorest people in Kenya with hearing aids that have almost been disconnected from the world due to their lack of ability to hear and so we're expecting another life-changing experience there and after that we'll go on a safari we'll see some of the wild big game there and just marvel in their size and strength i've never been to africa before kelly's been once before so we've got quite a trip planned and she's just wondering how she's going to get a couple giraffes on the plane home i think (laughs) (laughs) 
No, they can, I think they can stay there. They can gladly <laughs> stay there in their wild. In their wild. <laughs> I love that. I would love that. I think FedEx could, could, could get you a one home, but I don't think we want to do that. That's for sure. But I tell you, we love, um, you know, love seeing the giraffes in the wild and elephants. You're going to have such an, an incredible journey and uh, life-changing and life-affirming at the same time to see the beauty of these animals in their wild environment. Now, I have a lot of friends who won't let me ever end this interview unless they hear from you. When are you back to work on the ice? I think some of your biggest fans are right here in this Washington, D.C. office, and uh, I think they're looking at me through the window saying, when are you going to get back to the ice? Because they're very excited about your next season. Well, being 30 now, I've got to train a little bit harder than I did when I was a lot younger. So I'm, I'm skating already, getting back in shape to get ready to compete with kids that are 10 years younger than me. But the season's not going to start until middle of September when training camp starts and then the regular season's uh, early October. So we're expecting another great year out of St. Louis Blues, hopefully more personal success as well. But the end goal, as always in hockey, is to raise that Stanley Cup. And uh, if that's the case, you know, we'll use that for the, the lives of animals and to try to make their lives a lot better. And, and if that's the case, you know, hopefully that's a little bit more drive for every step of the way. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Well, you both are so inspirational in your love of animals and not just your love. You demonstrate that through this incredible organization that you've founded, the work that you do in a number of local nonprofits and humane societies, and importantly, your work with rescuing, fostering, even transporting them around the country. So, so proud to know you and just want to give you a big uh, cheers from all of your fans here thanking you for what you do for animals. Thank you, Robin, and we appreciate everything that American Humane has done, and we're proud to know such a great organization and to call you guys friends and family. Well, thank you. We're all in it for this cause, that's for sure, and we invite you to join us for our fourth annual Hero Dog Awards. David, you may be on the ice that night, but Kelly's certainly welcome to join us if she's available at the Beverly Hilton in in Los Angeles. And I can tell you there's no more life-affirming night than that night as we get to see who America has voted for to win eight different very special categories of hero dogs, these working dogs who do great things in our lives. And then, of course, we announce, based on America's vote, who is the top American hero dog. And I, I hope you can join us for a very special evening. Sounds wonderful. Well, thank you both for joining us for today. And more importantly, thank you for all you do for animals all over the world. Be right back with Dr. Quan Stewart, who will join us to talk about Hollywood's animal stars in some of the biggest summer blockbusters. We'll be right back. Pet Life Radio, this is Be Humane. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Dogs leave fur wherever they go. It collects all over the home. There are many tools designed to stop dog hair spreading, but their effectiveness varies, and afterwards you have to clean the tool, then the floor. With the Dyson Groom Tool, you simply deploy the bristles, then gently brush the coat. Loose fur is removed, while dead skin and allergens are captured by the vacuum. And to clean up, you simply release the trigger. To get this awesome Dyson Groom Tool, go to DysonDeals.com. That's DysonDeals.com. 
Hi, this is Teodi Anderson, and I'm the host of Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk about a variety of topics on canine behavior and training, all based on modern methods that are fun for you and your dog. We might be talking about other critters, too. So join us on Get Positive Results. We'll talk about common issues between you and your dog, answer your questions, discuss different activities you can do with your dog, and keep you posted on current canine news and products. All this on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm sure most, if not all, of our listeners out there have spent some of their summer at the movies. While there are so many different kinds of movies in the theater, big-budget action films, comic book adventures, comedies, and dramas, There's one thing most of them have in common, and that's animal stars. And whenever there's an animal on set, one of these films, we're happy to say there's an advocate for these animals. For nearly 75 years, our certified animal safety representatives from our No Animals Were Harmed certification program have been there to monitor the welfare and well-being of Hollywood's animal actors. You can be assured that these animals were safe by checking the end credits, looking for the no animals were harmed end credit at the end of the film, which is much more than just a catchy slogan. It's a real assurance that the animal actors were truly safe from harm. And here to talk today about some of the animal action and some of the biggest hit films of the summer is our chief veterinary officer for No Animals Were Harmed program, Dr. Kwan Stewart. Welcome back, Dr. Kwan. How are you today? I'm well today. Thank you for having me again. Oh, glad to have you. I know your team has been so busy on sets all around the world monitoring animal action for some of the biggest movies and theaters this summer. Let's talk about a few of them. Yeah, let's jump in. We've literally been around the globe. There are some big blockbusters coming out this summer, and we were on a number of them. Well, I tell you, my kids and I really enjoyed one of the biggest ones, Godzilla. And while we uh, didn't monitor the action of that actual monster, that was all CGI, there were some real live animals on the set, right? There were, yeah. The monster wasn't real, although some claim it's an overgrown lizard. You know, and what was neat about this film in particular is the diverse number of animal species. And, you know, some movies feature just... uh, horses or maybe a dog, but Godzilla had a number of different animals. It had seagulls, it had a dog, a chameleon, uh, there were fish, there were chickens and pigs, and, and we sent down one of our veteran reps to cover all that action. Wow, wow. Well, I know there's also a comedy out now called A Million Ways to Die in the West, and as the name suggests, it's a western, which means there's a lot of horses. What are some of the most difficult things when filming those horse scenes, particularly in those western movies? You know, with horses, generally in these westerns, you have a number of them. So it's not just one or two horses, but it can be as many as 9, 10, 15 horses. And coordinating that action and keeping the animal safe and, and of course, the animal, the talent safe that's riding them, it can be challenging. And and to coordinate that and talk about that during, before, and after, it is. And it really takes a village, as I say. It's not just our rep on set, but it's coordinating closely with the animal trainer and, of course, production itself because the director will sometimes, he'll get carried away. He has a vision he sees, and in his mind, he sees it going one way and going quickly. But sometimes you have to pump the brakes and gather all the troops up and, and talk about some of these scenes so that the horses and, again, the people are kept safe. 
That's wonderful. Very, very true. So it's animals and people. It's all uh, all of those who are participating in filming that we help to uh, ensure safety because of the interaction with the animals. You know, one of the movies that I remember growing up watching was Planet of the Apes. I mean, what an amazing film when that came out and all the sequels and prequels and everything about that. And I think this summer there's a, a new one out called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which actually features apes riding on horses is part of a new advanced society. What in the world is that about and how were animals used in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Well, again, you know, you could sort of see it much like the Western. It was a lot of horse action that we had to monitor. No, the apes weren't actually riding the horses. That was all visual effects. But there were real riders, trained riders on the horses coordinating the action. But when the movie magic is put together, it does. It looks very, very real on screen. You probably won't be able to tell the difference. And I'm, I grew up watching those films as well, and it's a very successful franchise. I think this movie is going to do quite well. But they, that movie was remarkable with the care of the horses. Uh, and they received an outstanding seal and credit, uh, beautifully done. That's wonderful. It's great to hear. So when we watch Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, we know there's a lot of movie magic, but we can also rest assured while we're enjoying our popcorn that those horses were well-treated and loved. I I love that story. You know, Dr. Kwan, when you have different animals, you know, in different sorts of movies, do you bring different reps to monitor? Let's say you had a dog and a horse. Do you bring different reps? And tell us a little bit about what your reps are trained, how they're trained to do this exciting work. This is a great career it is, and they really do have to be expertly trained across you know vast number of animal species because we really do go from the big to the small, from the flying to the swimming, and it, it does. It takes a breadth of knowledge to do what they do. And to answer your question, you know, sometimes I will grab someone who seems to have a, a particular talent or understanding for an animal species. Maybe they are very adept at understanding or helping organize carriage pools for horses, for example, uh, or river crossings for horses, which can can be very difficult. But really, from rep to rep to rep, they have a a great working knowledge of all of the very common animals we work, uh, which is horses, dogs, and cats, as well as some of the more exotic species, your big cats and, and your elephants, and we could go down the line to giraffes and others, but a lot of them were trained in college at a particular college that, that specializes in exotic animal species as well as domestic species and their care and training and handling. So they really come to us very well trained. And I'll touch on this just quickly because I, I have to brag on my own colleagues. We recently hired some uh, licensed veterinarians to add to the program and wow. help diversify and strengthen the science part of it. So I now have... Uh, four working licensed veterinarians as part of my program as recently as just a few months ago. I'm very proud of that. Oh, congratulations. That's wonderful news. It's nice to know that animal doctors are on the set and uh, certainly ensuring the health and the welfare of those horses and those cats and those dogs that we love to see uh, in film and entertainment. So I'm thinking there's three big films this summer. Godzilla, we all know, is uh, not a real lizard, so that's good to know that was all CGI, but some <laughs> wonderful other animals in there. A Million Ways to Die in the West, the the Western-themed uh, with lots of horses and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Any other movies that you can think of coming out this later this summer and uh, early in the fall that we should all keep our eyes out for? 
Yeah, well, they're Transformers, Age of Extinction. We were on it. You may have mentioned them at the beginning of the, the broadcast there. We have Jersey Boys. That's a Clint Eastwood film, and that also features a variety of animals in it and, mm-hmm. and received our outstanding seal. You mentioned Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And we've, we've seen Godzilla. Some really big films, and those are the premiere. Those are the ones that get a, a lot of chatter, but the big, the small, the commercials, and even television, we, we make sure that when there's animal action, we're there as a voice for the animals as, as much as we can be. Well, that's fantastic. Dr. Kwan Stewart, we're proud to know you and proud to know of your work you do to keep our beloved animal stars safe when they're performing in film and entertainment. And one final note, I know, because I'm familiar with this industry, that so many of these animals that we see in film and entertainment are actually rescues. They're actually have been given a second chance at life, been rescued by animal trainers who work with them to develop their skills so they can perform for film and entertainment. And aren't those so many animal stars, this is their second chance at life, isn't it? It is. And and that's really sort of the remarkable backstory to what you're seeing on the silver screen is, is some of these animals have been given second chances. They've been rehabilitated and, and trained and, and now are featured in these, you know, these beautiful, indelible movies that, that just leave a mark, not only in our hearts, but uh, they inspire and educate us. So that's the part I get to witness and, and understand sort of behind the scenes. And, and as a veterinarian, it really does melt my heart. I, I love that part of the movies and, and the responsibility that the trainers and owners take with these animals. And of course, what our program does to help protect and, and watch over them. It's wonderful. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Quan Stewart, for joining us today. And uh, we'll definitely see your work on the movies this summer. So have a wonderful day, and we look forward to having you back on our show in the fall. All right. Thank you so much, Robin. Well, that was Dr. Quan Stewart, our Chief Veterinary Officer and National Director for our program, No Animals Were Harmed. No Animals Were Harmed is entering its 75th year. Yes, it's Diamond Jubilee year of service to the industry, serving as the voice for our beloved animal stars. Thanks so much for joining us for today's show. We look forward to having you back next week for some exciting segments on the world of animal welfare brought to life by celebrities, brought to life by those actually on the front lines of the humane movement. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay tuned for next week's show. And just remember, this week and every week, to be humane. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.